And one of the reasons that people find the Psalms speak to their deep need is that these 150 poems in the book of Psalms speak for us. That is, they are people talking to God. They are the expression of human beings in human situations, praising God, but also complaining to God. Praying to God for help, pleading to God for rescue. The 25th Psalm begins with a description of prayer. It says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Lifting hands high was a posture of prayer then and for some still is. Psalm 25 starts with an individual prayer. But as we go along, notice that it becomes a corporate prayer. That is a prayer for all believers, for all who put their trust in God. And notice that one theme running through Psalm 25 is instruction. Not instruction you can get from virtual learning or a classroom or a textbook or a YouTube video. The psalmist asks for instruction that God alone can give. This psalm asks God, teach me, instruct me, guide me, let me know. The psalmist pleads to be shown how to live life pleasing to God, following God's path, God's way. So now, listen for God's word for us in Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, O my God, to you. In you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore his he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the, of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes His covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be righteous to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the trouble of my heart, and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my life. Deliver me. 
do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, for out of all its troubles, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> o Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you need a lift? I've been in many situations where those were the most wonderful and most welcome words. Because of my poor vision, I've never been able to drive, or at least not legally or safely. So I often need a lift. But the person who wrote Psalm 25 wasn't talking about getting a ride. He needed a lift. He was lonely and afflicted. His heart was troubled. He was distressed. He had great guilt and he was hated by violent foes. Have you ever been in that bad a situation? Indeed. Needing a lift. The 25th Psalm is one of those acrostic Psalms because of the way it was written. That is, in the original Hebrew, each line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If we did that in English, you know, it would be A, B, C, all the way to Z. That was done, really, to make it easier for people to memorize. Because back then, of course, they didn't have printing presses. They didn't have smartphones or the Internet. They didn't have a way to memorize things except by hearing them. And, and doing it by the alphabet was made it a little easier to do. Well, that format can challenge those of us who don't read Hebrew <laughs> in its modern forms or its ancient forms. So let's look at the themes. It starts and ends with expressions of tiredly, directly to God. And the third verse has three don't, don't requests. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. I guess nowadays they've had another, do not let them cancel me. <laughs> another cluster of petitions in the fourth and fifth verse acknowledge need for instruction from God. Make me to know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. God's way, God's path is one of many paths you can choose to take. What path are you on? There's an author and preacher I quote sometimes named Frederick Beekner who wrote that if you want to know who you are as distinct from who you'd like to think you are, keep an eye on where your feet take you. I remember a fellow asking how to meet ladies and uh, he was single and lonesome and none of his plans had worked. And I said, well, it's real easy. Figure out what you like to do that will give you a chance to meet people and, and you will meet people who like to do the same things. If you go to bars, you're going to find ladies that drink. You go to church, you're going to find folks that like to go to church. You choose where you take your feet, where you can meet people. I never did hear whether he got married. <laughs> <laughs> or where his feet took him. Well, three times the writer of the 25th Psalm refers to waiting for the Lord. 
he's in dire straits, desperate circumstances, but he manages to rely completely, confidently on God's capacity and will willingness to intervene, to rescue him. Now, waiting is not anybody's favorite thing to do. Well, I'm going to say this, don't do this for real, but if you want a little thought experiment, right? Think of being sitting at the red light. You've been waiting a while and it finally changes. And instead of mashing down on that foot feed, as they used to say, hitting the accelerator, go 1,001. <laughs> and somebody behind you is going to let you know they don't like to wait at all and they don't like anybody who wants to wait at a, at a green light. Don't try that for real. Our culture is short on patience. We want quick fixes and we want them now. I remember an episode of uh, that television show in the heat of the night and, and uh, main character, everybody, everybody in the office is fussing and fussing and fussing and fussing. He looks up and says, Lord, give me a burst of patience. And that's what we want. We want it fast, even patience. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. <laughs> we want quick fixes. But waiting for the Lord can be a blessing. Faith is more than a mountaintop moment. It also encompasses all those times of solitude, those times of struggle. The right road alone will not always look like right road. As we wait on God's triumph, we must, we've got to contend with dark forces, wanton treachery in this case, loneliness, and violent hatred. Well, one of the reasons the book of Psalms speaks so well to our deep needs is the way it expresses human emotion in bluntly honest terms. And this psalm, the psalmist claims devotion to the covenant and to God's commandments, but also confesses sin and acknowledges waywardness and failed faith. In the seventh verse, he asks God to pardon the bad decisions, bad behavior of you. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love. Remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. But in the eleventh verse, he gets down to serious confession. For your name's sake, oh Lord, pardon my guilt, it's great. When you've made a mistake, behaved badly, done something plain wrong, many of us try to deny it. I don't know what you're talking about, I'm sure. <laughs> or we minimize it. Well, it's not as bad as you seem to think. Or in some senators' cases, they blame it on their daughters. I'm <laughs> calling any names. <clears throat> well, if you had told me that meant so much to you. Oh, we distance ourselves from it. I met a lady in my work as a psychologist who watched who was describing her life and along the way she'd been in prison for a while. And I said, well, what? I never said, what'd you do? I'd say, what'd they say you do? And she said, well, you know, I was having this argument with my boyfriend, and I took out my knife, and he fell on it. <laughs> well, it'd be, it'd be, it was kind of funny, but the man died. But that, he fell on it. You know, men are so clumsy. <laughs> the writer of the 25th Psalm does not say, 
Well, Lord, you know, mistakes were made. <laughs> I apologize if you were offended, oh Lord. He says, Lord, pardon my guilt. It's great. I'm guilty. There's a psalm scholar named James Lindbergh who says that this psalm uses the three most important biblical words for sin. One of those has to do with missing the mark. Aiming for the right target, but not, not hitting it. Kind of like Shaquille O'Neal used to do with free throws. <laughs> Another has the sense of rebelling against God. You know, that can't live by your rules, man. Kind of approach the Lord. And the third has the sense of being twisted out of shape. Tortured. Being bent over, bound down. All three words paint a picture of life that not right with God. A life that's not headed in the right direction. It's off target. It's rebellious. It's twisted out of shape. No wonder he needed a lift. We can be thankful that our relationship with God does not depend on us being worthy, being perfect followers, because we just can't do it. And sometimes we don't even try. Our relationship with God depends on God's grace, God's willingness to restore our relationship when we fail, when we miss the mark, when we've rebelled, when we've done nowhere near our best. The grounds for the psalmist hope is confidence in God's steadfast love. He mentions that three times. The first time, he combines it with God's mercy. The second time, he partners it with faithfulness. To wait for the Lord is to trust in God. One, as one writer put it, waiting for God is not some passive waiting around, twiddling your thumbs, whiling away the time. It's living into the future, leaning into it by praying, hoping, and working for the coming reign of God. In the third chapter of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah writes, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come, never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. You need a lift. Remember that the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. Thanks be to God.